0: Outside the Tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank.
1: Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom, that's Joe. We're excited to be here. Brand new episode and some exciting news. What's the news? We have a new sponsor. Who's our sponsor? Tommy Bahama. (laughs) This is a great shirt. I just got. They got the best stuff in the clearance rack. I just. Well, this. Hopefully, this wasn't from Nordstrom Rack. It was from the store itself. But this was a gift from my wife and daughter. That's very nice. nice. Father's Day. Father's Day. Yeah. <laughs> you're an easy guy to shop for. My whole closet is Tommy Bahama. When you're 60 years old, that's the way it works. Buy me a Tommy Bahama shirt. What is it's it? Your a, make a pasta for dinner. Is is your whole closet Lemon? <laughs> yeah, it is Lululemon. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. What's your point? I don't know. Yeah. Well, they, they, I'm, I'm their demographic. You're their demographic. So what? Because I'm chubby and old. No. You're old. <laughs> I'm not going to call you something. that'd me be. Deep. Yeah. But right. I, I can stay to lose a few pounds, but this is important stuff. Brad Johnson. Okay. So, Tanoshi Kids Computer. I want to make right. sure I pronounced that right. Tanoshi is the Japanese word for fun. Yeah. So, this is a uh, kid's computer. Uh, Brad goes into the show asking $500,000 for 8% of the company. This kid's computer targets kids ages 6 to 12. Preloaded with a bunch of fun stuff, coding stuff, coding lessons. <laughs> yep did you Did you learn how to code as a kid? I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> I barely, <laughs> hey, I barely graduated high school. That wasn't a dumb <laughs> That wasn't a dumb joke. It was an old joke. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Yeah. So I didn't learn how to code. That's what these kids do now. They go to They go to these kids. You've seen them in the uh, in like the strip malls. And yes. Yeah. The coding yep. things, and apparently they're great. And I play fun. I play Legos. So I'm good at, like, packing cars and stuff. But everything has a little place. I also have an ADD. Go ahead. I'm sorry. How about the time you packed your SUV with wood from the lumber yard because you were too cheap to have it delivered? You know, I was there. The wood was there. There's a great barn wood for a fence we were making. And, so he puts uh, it into a brand new vehicle. Brand new vehicle. His and then... wife's driving like this is they've got wood planks going through there and had to go clean it up. Hey, we saved a little money. Yeah, and then you had to spend two hours cleaning the vehicle when you got back. So, yeah, so it comes with this. I, I thought that was really cool, the coding. Um, there's an app, so there's parental controls where they can monitor, um, you know, what their kid's doing with the device. It's only $199, so gosh. T- they're, they're a software company. They consider themselves a software company. Uh, they came in to the show with, I think, three-quarters of a million dollars of sales, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and they've been in business for a year and a half. Um, so this $199 device, they were getting it landed for 120 So ugh, not the best margins, but again, to your point, really focused on the software. That's the secret sauce of this whole business. So Cuban and Mr. Wonderful concerned about the uh, thin margins, the competitive space. Lori went out uh, very, very quickly. Uh, Damon made an offer. Yeah. Well, I think his you know his appeal to this was – This could give some really good access in terms of electronic devices and the great learning software on there to people that probably can't afford a $1,200 iPad. And then, hey, here's my credit card, buy whatever apps you want as well. So I think he saw it as a, a piece of software that would give accessibility to a lot of these things, which I thought was fantastic. It's probably... But it's, it's interesting because it's probably the last person you thought would have been interested in bidding on this because we think retail, we think clothes, we think designer stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's thinking of it because of, you know, the access to the education which was awesome. And then, but he was very interested in licensing as well. Yes. So, it, the, it touched his heart more than his pocketbook. That's right. So, let's get to this interview. Brad is a really, really smart guy. Really interesting story. Yeah. Uh, we love doing this interview. So, Uh, Let's go to Brad and on the back end, we'll talk about some of the great lessons we took from this interview. All right, we are here with Brad Johnston and Brad, really looking forward to this conversation. There's so much to get into. Let's start at the beginning of the story. Um, Talk about your background and and really how it led to you coming up with the idea um, for a kid's computer.
0: Okay, cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. And thank you guys for having me on. I'm really excited about this. Um, So yeah, I mean, the background is actually comes down to this. Uh, I I was raised the son of an entrepreneur and a school teacher, and it all kind of came full circle. But in between that time, um, I, I, I went through college, got a degree in economics, and went into working for big tech for 15 years. So um, I worked for Toshiba, Vizio, and I also helped launch about a dozen hardware startups into the retail space as a consultant back in the day. So I, I was really always involved in tech. I always loved it. I always loved you know, innovation, new products. But you know, as I started working for Toshiba and Vizio, something I realized was a lot of tech was being built exclusively just for the wealthiest folks, for what they can afford. And we're seeing a lot of that today with distance learning, right? The kids who have high-speed internet, a great computer, two parents so one can work and one can babysit. They're doing awesome in school. The other kids kind of like me, I grew up in poverty, didn't have that same opportunity, right? There was no computer growing up. There was no latest technology. I didn't have cable and Nintendo, none of that, right? My my parents like yeah, you you want you want to learn something, go to the library, check out a book, it's free. <laughs> That's what we can afford. So, so that that was my that was my upbringing. Um uh so anyway, I went through, worked for big tech and It just started clicking to me that that there's a lot of great, brilliant kids out there who are being left behind, and someone needs to do something about that. So I quit, started Tanoshi, and that's our mission. Our mission is to make sure every child has the same opportunity, regardless if you came from money or you didn't. So you can get into the best college, get the best job, have the best career, and the best life.
1: Well, it's such a great story, and I want to ask you: Do you, when you go back and watch the pitch? Do you think that social mission really came through? Because it felt like there were bits and pieces of it. But I'm curious because I listen to you and I hear something that I think is a lot cooler, and more impressive than maybe what came across on TV. Yeah, well, um, I mean, the only thing I can throw out,
0: and there's only so much I can talk about that, as you might be aware, right, uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, you, you saw a small clip of what we actually presented. Um, and so when we were presenting, yeah, we talked about that a lot. Yeah. Um, whether or not it made good TV airtime, I guess that's another subject. <laughs> so um, you know, what got included got included, what got dropped out got dropped out. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's that's the backbone of our company. That's what we're all about. And uh, who decides to record that and share what bits of pieces of information is really up to them. But we're we're not going to stop shouting from the mountains. You know, we're we're a big believer in opportunity, not exclusivity. And that's what we're all about. And um, we're going to continue working
1: on that. And is my timeline, right, that you were in business for about a year and a half by the time you filmed that?
0: Uh, correct. Correct. Yeah. So um, we, we launched our first product uh, early 2018, uh, did about a half a million dollars in sales our first year. It was a good year. Uh, we, we went on Shark Tank. Uh, we recorded late 2019. And that year, we doubled our sales to a million. Um, And that was before we aired any of that good stuff. So uh, we we aired a bit later in 2020, as you might, you might have seen. And, um, you know, we were on pace to do three, four, five times without Shark Tank. So we were already doing really well as a startup. Shark Tank just got us the national exposure we needed, uh, which was awesome. And we were really excited about that. And I mean, it was a bit of a dream come true. It was pretty cool. You know, every, everyone, everyone dreams of having that opportunity to pitch Mark Cuban and all those folks. <laughs> and, and, and we got a chance to do it. So it was, it was super cool. And a lot of people learned about Tanoshi and, you know, our phone's been ringing off the hook ever since then, and we can't keep supplying stock. So it's, it's a good life uh, to, to that
1: extent. So, so pre-Shortank, when you're competing against, you know, the iPads and Amazons and all these other devices and brands, how does someone like you do millions of dollars of a two hundred dollar device? Ah, uh, it's a great question. We sell a lot of them. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it, it really comes down to it. I'm apologize, but I'm not going to give my secret sauce away. No, no, uh, no but of course. You tell I'll,
1: us. You tell us what you can tell us, and I, I ask the question because it's so impressive. I mean, it's you know, it, it, in the grand scheme of things, you're a nobody selling a $200 product and you're doing millions of dollars. And it's not like you borrowed millions. I mean, you basically bootstrap this yourself. Yeah. I just look at this and it's so impressive. I know you can't give us all your secret sauce, but whatever you can tell us, because it is so impressive. Thank you. Well, I mean, I really appreciate that first and foremost. Uh,
0: <laughs> I don't hear that when I pitch VCs very often. So I appreciate it coming from you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, the, one of the biggest pieces is definitely just determination and hustle, right? you got to believe in what you're doing. you got to wake up every day and just work hard toward it. And then as a startup, the other thing I've learned is you got to recruit people that have that same mindset. You know, you, if, if someone's the person who likes to work nine to five, they're not set for the startup world. Just, just let, let them go on their way, go work for a big tech or whatever big company, because that's what the nine to five world is. I started my career doing nine to five. I was actually right out of college. I got a job as in Boeing's um, management training program. So it was a pretty cool program to be in, but I I hate to say this and it was from Boeing listening in, but uh, Boeing was boring. Uh, It was was a nine to five job. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead, please.
0: I was going to say it was a nine to five job, but I I got my job done like in the first hour of every day and I was staring at the clock (laughs) the rest of the day. And you know, that just, it didn't drive me, right? Um, so I, I left Boeing, went and got my master's degree, which is actually paid for because I won a Rotary scholarship. So I studied in Australia for a year, Rotary paid for it. And I, I volunteered at the Olympics, the Paralympics. It was awesome. Uh, I've had a lot of fun in my life uh, <laughs> um, and, then, and then came back and got into the tech sector. And uh, and that's, again, where I just kind of saw that, hey, there's some disconnect out there. And, you know, if someone could do good, Uh, if the big guys aren't going to do it, then somebody else needs to. And I'm driven. Nothing was going to stop
1: me. So you knowing the landscape, you saw a void in the grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah. And and really, the team members we brought on were the same. That what makes a startup successful is the team you build, especially the earliest founders. right?
1: I have a very specific question. I became interested in this when you mentioned this before. You have the heart of an entrepreneur. Your father was both a teacher and entrepreneur, yep. you're second generation, serial, crazy person who doesn't want to work a job, gets bored by that stuff. But you talked about attracting talent, recruiting people. Uh, and it sounds like that you have a persona or characteristics in mind. What do you look for? This could be a great lesson for those listening. What, what is a persona of the person you're trying to attract?
0: You know that's a, that's a great question. It's actually something that we're we're somewhat struggling with too, right? So uh, we're we're trying to attract people who, I, again, I think a lot of it comes from the background they came up. So if, if you grew up a silver spoon or whatever we call it nowadays, uh, you know, enter whatever uh, you know, you have a or a fun setup for you for when you're older, which I definitely didn't. I had zero sense going into college. I saved for college myself. (laughs) Um, You know, you you have a different mindset on what's important in the world, right? Because there are certain struggles you don't have. If you came from poverty or you were say black or brown or gay or you name it, you had special struggles a lot of other people didn't have. And often that motivates you for the rest of your life. You know, living in poverty motivated me. Um, one of my co-founders, Lisa Love, is a black woman. I don't even need to tell you what motivates her. I, I can, I'm sure you can figure that out yourself. <laughs> black woman in a big company. Uh, yeah, you, you got it. Um, you know, and then one of our other founders, the, other, the third person you saw in Shark Tank is Greg, and he didn't get a chance to say this. The camera didn't pick up on it, but Greg came out of the closet after college. You know, um, I was friends with Greg since middle school. I never knew that. He was keeping it in the whole time. You know, but, but now that it's out there, but he was also one of those kids who was raised by a single parent. So the only reason he became an engineer, he taught himself, you know, and that's part of what we're trying to get across to others is, yes, one out of three children living in America today are raised by a single parent. A lot of people don't realize this. One out of four people live in poverty. A lot of people don't realize this, you know, there's a lot of people who are being kind of held back, disadvantaged, and they're great leaders for, for everyone else to follow along, you know, because they've seen what it's been like on rock bottom, they push to the top of the mountain, and hopefully, they're able to help some other people get there too.
1: Well, you know, I, I share with people, I was raised middle class, but it's actually not true. We would have had to maybe borrow or steal some money to get up to middle class. And I also, you know, there wasn't the money uh, for an education. So this resonates with me, uh, whenever I meet someone who was born, I call it being born on third base with a, <laughs> or a silver spoon in your mouth. Um, <laughs> I, I always wonder, do they have some of that resilience and some of that grit that it takes really to to build and go through the tough times? But uh, are you saying that because of that upbringing and Lisa as a black woman trying to achieve in what still is a, a, a man's world, uh, and that's changing rapidly, and I hope it does. But are you saying that some of those things cause that person just to uh, lockstep and say, I'm going to make it, I, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I, I guess you're trying to attract people that have that kind of resilience and that kind of grit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's definitely it. And, and a lot of it, too, is you know, what I've learned in the startup, as I've hired many people over the years, it's hustle. You know, some people have it, some people don't. You know, some people are good team players. Some people aren't, you know, so you just you kind of you kind of have to fill it out. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in diversity. I have been since day one. You know, part of it is, though, you do want to have that one or two people who don't want to be a team leader. So if everyone wants to be the team leader, <laughs> you're going to have conflict. Like, look, at let's look at the nets. Right. But, <laughs> you know, but but at the end of the day, you got to have those people who say, well, I don't want to lead the team, but I'm just going to grind this project. And I'm going to get it done better than anybody else. So you build up the best ecosystem, the best team, and, and it, I mean, it took us years as a startup. I mean, I I've probably hired about thirty people. We're five people today, to put it in perspective, right? Yeah. Um, part of, part of the hard part was, you know, we couldn't pay for the first few years. So how do you keep an employee around when you can't pay them other than in, you know founder stock? Um, a lot of people you can't pay the rent with founder stock, right? So uh, so that that was the biggest struggle and just retain at the beginning, especially on the diversity factor. You know, we wanted to recruit. We want to be 50% women since day one. I always wanted a female co-founder. We wanted to represent America, but the people we wanted to recruit were the same people who couldn't live off their life savings because it wasn't built up, right? Whereas a lot of startups, they bootstrap, I bootstrapped, I had a little over 100000 dollars all went to the company, it's gone now. But you know, but but I had that at the time that I'd saved up to really launch this thing. And I also had that mentality of I knew it was like being at the bottom and fighting my way up already. So I knew I wouldn't stay there. Um, and it, it does. It takes a special mental challenge for people. because a lot of folks, they're very comfortable in how they live. And they, if they're making one hundred thousand dollars a year and you're saying, well, I can only pay you half that. And they're, eh, I mean, that's a sign That's they're, they're not ready to be in a startup. Um, you really have to understand there's going to be challenges. It's going to be hard. Things are not going to be easy. Every issue possible that could go wrong will go wrong. You just need to accept that and realize you're better than the situation. You can fix it and you can get over that.
1: The person you hire has to be bought into the vision that you are articulating. If they're not, they're not going to stay. It's not worth it for them.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I I mean, again, though, it's the team, right? So As we grow the team, we have found we can bring on one or two members who are just like specialty at this, this area you know, and they're not maybe the hustlers, but you have to have the hustlers who are setting up the new partnerships, the new deals, the the new sales opportunities. Because at the end of the day, it's about how much revenue are you making? Are you making money? So if you're not making money, you're not really running much of a business.
1: Right. So you got on Shark Tank pretty early in the business, all things considered. Did you apply or did they recruit you? Uh, They've recruited us. Awesome. You get on the show, you get your deal. Did the deal go through? Um we are still in talks. <laughs> okay. so. uh, it,
0: I I all I can throw out is uh, you might have heard there was a licensing contingency um, and there yeah. was a bunch of details of it shared. Yeah, so that's uh that that, that was an interesting one, and, and we're still working out the details on that.
1: <laughs> well, I you know I'd love to see you work with Damon, just because I think that you know if there was a licensing deal and and if you were able to you know continue to really get this into the hands of the kids that need it the most, there there just be a tremendous impact there. So I hope if that's the right path for the business, and the right path to put more of these devices into people's hands. I I hope for that sake, you know, everything does come together. Um, You air May of 2020. Tell us the first couple days after you air, what happens to the business?
0: Uh, That's a great one. Well, um, I mean, it was really the night we aired was the big one. I mean, that's when just Twitter and social media blew up. Uh, thankfully, we were given some heads up from the studio. So we we, we were pretty well prepared for it. We did a couple of practice runs. Um, The most ironic thing about it was, and you might or not not be aware of this, you don't know when you're going to air. It's it's mostly a surprise for when your air date is. Um, So there's not really time to prepare inventory. So when we aired, we were actually completely sold out. We had no product to sell. Zero. We had something like, I can't remember how many 30,000 visitors in 24 hours to our website and no product to sell them. It was, it was the saddest thing in the world. And uh, you know, it was because of COVID though. It was uh, COVID destroyed our supply chain. Um, we actually had a new order coming in to be flown into us end of February and all the factories shut down about two weeks before that. So um Two weeks before we were supposed to get new inventory, everything shut down, and then it stayed shut down for like three months all the way through our airing on Shark Tank. Oh. And it just, it just kind of blew it for us. But we got lucky. Our episode re-aired in July, and we got the new inventory in right before that. So in July, we blew up. And July was the best month on record for us outside of the Christmas season.
1: Thank God for reruns. Yes, <laughs> and
0: we hope to have many more of them. If anyone's listening from Shark Tank, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you know, it's everyone says that they, you know, they notice when there's a bump. They're like, well, I guess a reruns airing <laughs> right now. So I hope that you know CNBC or wherever else uh, hits you with some reruns. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us, you know, it, it's been you know a year now. What's changed in the business? Uh, what is different than what we saw on TV? Where are you taking this thing? And I'm I'm sure some things you can share with us, and some we're going to have to wait and see.
0: Okay, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, the the first thing I can tell you is, you know, again, I mentioned late September we we actually recorded, and I think we we mentioned that we'd done like seven hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Um, since then we we've now done over two and a half million dollars in revenue. So we oh, we we've right. blown up quite a bit. I mean, we were we were pretty early stage in our minds when we went on Shark Tank. Um, and that's why we only asked for $500,000. We actually wanted to ask for a million, but we did our research and found out sharks don't invest that heavily. <laughs> so, so we, we dummied it down. And even at $500,000, we knew we were taking a risk because we looked at the history of it and very few of the sharks tend to invest more than $100,000 to $300,000. If it's five hundred, they usually come in together. Right. So we thought that's what was going to happen. We thought two sharks would team up and that'd be the type of offer we got. We, we were pretty shocked when it was just Damon, but we were still stoked about it. I mean, we, we love Damon. He's an awesome guy. Uh, we love what he stands for. It's very mission aligned with us. So we, we were super stoked when, when he made an offer.
1: I'm curious, what's that scholar thing behind you? Uh, scholar. Ah,
0: so uh, scholar is the new computer that, uh, we, we just launched last Christmas season. So what you saw on shark tank was our, our, our first generation product, uh, I like to call it the MVP because I don't think it's even complete, but we we need to get a product on the market, right? Um, Right. And it did really well. uh, As as we had that on the market for over a year, we started doing a lot of surveys to our customers and asking them, what do you like? What do you not like? What would you like to see improved? And from that came the Scholar. So um, what we learned from the original one was 90% of it, parents, teachers, kids loved, 90%. the 10% they wanted improved include things like they wanted it to be more drop-proof uh, because they are kids at the end of the day. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so we built in some great durability to this bad boy. I mean, it's two and a half feet drop-proof. Put a tempered glass screen protector on top of it in case you accidentally drop it on the screen. Um, we put some front-firing speakers. So if, say, you're learning a foreign language, like, um, well, in America, you might be learning Spanish, but overseas, huge demand for English. Right, um, that that we have, you know, really world real class speakers, so you can, you know, get your phonetics right and, and learn these skills. Uh, and then we actually added on what we already did from the original one. You know, people told us they love the fact that we gave kids a path to learn how to code. You know, right out of the box, you don't need to go find the coding program out of the three million apps on the Play Store. It's just there,
1: yeah. it just
0: out of the box, it works. And I mean, we knew that from day one. That's what parents wanted. So. What you're going to see from us going forward on this device and future products is more and more age-appropriate educational content straight out of the box so mom and dad can just turn it on, set up the parental controls real quick, hand it off to their kid, get back to their busy life so they can work, so they can do the dishes, so they can do the laundry, so they can do whatever they need to do. They don't need to look over your shoulder because we have great parental controls and the content on there is educational.
1: I love that. What are some of the long-term goals? What, what's the vision for this, especially as it applies to the mission that you guys hold so dear?
0: Yeah, well, so, so our, our long-term mission is really, our, our, I guess we'll have a short-term and long-term goal. Let's throw that out. So our short-term goal is our, really our first product category, which is computers. We want to get a computer in the hands of every child in the world. That's a big goal. <laughs> so. Wonderful. Yeah. So what what we learned from COVID, well, what we didn't learn, but what the world learned, we knew this years in advance. <laughs> what, what what the world learned from COVID as studies started coming out was there's 16 million school children in America, K through 12. So 16 million out of 50 million total who can't do distance learning at home. They either don't have a modern day computer or high-speed internet or both. 16 million. So you have, you know, we're looking at of the U S population struggling with distance learning. That's just wrong. Right? So that's our goal. Number one, America is not nearly as bad as the rest of the world In the rest of the world. There's 1.5 million K through 12 kids, 800 million of them have the same problem. They can't do distance learning over half the world cannot do distance learning. And so that's our mission. Number one is to solve that, to make sure that, you know, yeah, even if people start going back to school again, you still need a computer at home. This is the new day and age. It used to be textbooks, right? You took a textbook home. You did your homework that way. Everybody was on an evil, even even, level playing field. Nowadays, if you don't have a computer, you're not on a level playing field. You're disadvantaged. So that's our number one focus. More long-term, we're looking at what are other you know, consumer electronic categories that we can contribute to. Maybe it's learn to code robots, who knows? You know, maybe it's virtual reality if that becomes, you know, what's becomes mainstream. Uh, our focus is making sure that whatever is being taught, whatever is developing the opportunities of the future, that every child has that opportunity. Every child has the same chance to have the brightest future possible.
1: Wow. I mean, that's, <clears throat> there's no sense... Uh... Uh, having uh, a vision unless it's a big vision. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we think so. I mean our, our goal is to be number one in the world in this category, to be the number one the number one company in the world, making affordable technology for every child so every child gets the best education.
1: Uh, can you talk about do you have any new products that are emerging that you, you can uh, share, share with the audience?
0: Sure, sure. So, um, so Scholar, for example, uh, as I mentioned, we launched it last Christmas, but we actually kicked that off prior to COVID. <laughs> so a lot of it was built into, you know, pre-COVID, what is it that consumers were telling us? In fact, it was just a month or two we wrapped up our survey and said, OK, this is what Scholar is going to be based on based on what we're hearing from our customers and really a lot of other research we're doing on the side, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, since COVID, we've continued to go back, talk to teachers, talk to parents. I mean, that's really what one of the things that differentiates us from a lot of big tech. We go straight to the customer. We go straight to the user. We don't let engineers come up with what's next. I, I'm, I've, I've worked for big tech, and that's what they've done. And I've seen them fail over and over and over again, trying to make products for families because they're not listening to families. They're not listening to teachers. They're listening to an engineer in a room and how they do it. And I'm sorry, that just doesn't work you got to talk to the actual user. You got to understand what their pain points are. So, so we went back and did that and we do have another computer. Uh, we're hoping to launch later this year. We'll, we'll see, <laughs> but uh, we're targeting to launch later this year. And this will be the best distance learning computer on the market. I mean, it, it it's really going to, it's going to be the one that closes the gap even more. Um, so we're, we're super excited about it. Um, it's really what we found is, you know, how are people learning at home? Where can we make their lives easier? But also as they go back to school, we need to make sure this computer goes both ways, right? It, it's, it can be used for home use or it can be used at school. It can be used just for homeschooling if you're just going to do that totally, you know, or mom or dad teaches you or a hybrid approach. Whatever it is you want to do, that's the device we're making. And, you know, and one of the biggest differentiators, people often ask us, what's different than you in a Chromebook? You know, I have to throw this out here. The biggest one is the fact that you can do everything offline right? If if Chromebook, one of the biggest disadvantages, I love Chromebooks, by the way, for the record, I love them. They're great products for the people who can afford high-speed internet at home. But at the end of the day, that's not everyone. And there's a lot of people who are being left behind. I told you the 16 million who can't do distance learning, there's millions and more who struggle with it because of a low bandwidth, low internet connection at home. Whether it's because they're poor and they can't afford it, or I have a friend who's I'm not gonna lie; he's got enough money for it, but he lives so far out in the countryside he can't get an internet connection.
1: So it doesn't matter,
0: <laughs> you know. Uh, and he's tried the whole satellite thing; it's just slow. It doesn't work for things like this, right? So our, that's our whole thing is making sure that if we put a product out there, it's inclusive for everyone. And we still believe we're the only tech company in the world who's doing that.
1: I think that's I think that's wonderful. It it, it always amuses me, by the way, when someone who's spoiled with a great a high speed interconnection at home or the office goes someplace and can't get an internet connection just to watch it melt down is pretty uh, pretty humorous
0: <laughs> yeah 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 it, it, it's sad sometimes but it, it works and uh, i mean i mean i get it i get it. It, it it is a struggle i've i've been to china many times overseeing production runs and you know sourcing and whatnot and uh as you might or might not be aware the chinese government blocks a lot of stuff uh, <laughs> um But, you know, but while I'm over there, I I lose that internet connection. I lose my ability to communicate. And so when when I come back to America, it refreshes me. It reminds me of how hard it is to stay in the loop, stay up to speed with everybody else when you're disconnected. And I'm only being disconnected for two, three weeks at a time. There's other people who are disconnected for their lifetime or for years at a time. And that's just not fair. That's not fair to anyone, um, especially anyone who is, you know, has great talent, great skill, and they're being held back simply because they can't afford something like this.
1: Are you tapping into any government dollars or anything in terms of helping low-income kids that are having trouble with distance learning? Um, you know, we're trying to open up those,
0: those, those lines of communication. Uh, one of the struggles we have had as a company, I'll be fully transparent, is, you know, uh, my background is in consumer electronic retail. Um, Lisa's is also in retail. <laughs> None of us really have that background with government or schools. Um, so we actually are getting a lot of schools contacting us directly, wanting to buy products from us, learn about us, but we're not doing the outreach to them because we just don't have those resources. Uh, part of it is the background of the original team members. The other thing is we're only five people. I mean, we're, we're tiny, right? When we were on Shark Tank, we were four. We've added one person since then. <laughs> um, so we're still extremely lean and extremely focused. And where we actually see the the biggest gap, the distance learning gap, it's not in the schools because either schools can or they can't afford it. It really comes down to if your school can't afford it, why go pitch that school anyways? You know, you're wasting the school's time. You're wasting your time. What you need to do is find a solution for that person who attends the school and still wants to have that computer education, but they're not going to get it from the school. And so that's kind of where our focus has been. That's the reason we made a product under 200. Uh, we actually signed up with a program where for $200 too much, you can buy it in four monthly installment plans. So, you know, we'll, we'll make it easy on your paycheck. You know, we'll we'll make it as easy as possible for you. And if you follow us on social media, especially our newsletter, you'll hear about when our deepest discounts are too. So that price can go down even more. So a little hint, hint for anyone that wants a little more of a discount on their product. That's how you find out. Um But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. We would love to engage more with the government. We would love to engage more with schools, but we'll go there as really the team grows and the resources allow it. Until then, we're so swamped and there's so much demand just from the market we're focused on right now that it doesn't really make sense for us to start exploring too many other things.
1: No, and I can see that being a radically different type of sale and it would take you a long time to learn it. I just look at it and I see how much money our government wastes and I'm like, my goodness, you know, you should be buying millions of these things and getting them into the neighborhoods that need them most. And I and I wish you could flip a switch and make that happen, but I'm sure it's difficult. But if someone's listening or I hope you spread the word because I'd like the right person to eventually Figure out a way to connect you with the appropriate people.
0: thank you, and I really appreciate that. And and for what it's worth, we we are actively looking for sales reps. Um, Unfortunately, just again, we're an early stage startup, low pay. (laughs) So so if if you're looking to make the hundred thousand dollar plus, don't bother. Not right now. Come back to us later when you heard we've raised a few million. You know, (laughs) but uh,
1: but but if you're for someone that's, uh, I'll, I'll say it and then tell me what I'm missing here. But you know, for someone that's young and hungry and was given an opportunity um, to advance themselves uh, through technology, through education, if we can find that right person, they'd be the greatest salesperson in the world for you and you'd be giving them a, a really cool opportunity.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. And, and we are very open to doing rev share to get the right deals done. So, uh, I mean, it, it's not like we're going to say you're not going to make money. You can make a lot of money if you hustle. Uh, simple as that. If you can come in, connect the dots, do the work, get the deal done, you know, I'll pay you more than me. I mean, I, I'm actually the—I'm uh, not even the top three highest-paid employees at my company right now. So, um, I mean, and I'm doing that just to make sure the team continues to progress. The, life you know, of the i am lucky enough where I'm allowed. I can survive. I have a wife who also has a job now. So, <laughs> so we have the dual income, which was the same situation as me as a kid when it was just my father new to town. You know, he had to work the community just to kind of get us out of poverty. As we got older, my mom went back into the workforce. She got a job as a teacher. And we actually did get bumped up to middle income by the time I was in middle school. But it was because of two incomes. And again, I want to stress one out of three kids today don't have that option. One out of three kids today have a single parent. That's it. So you can't rely on, oh, go find the second parent for the second income. Just just not an opportunity. Not doesn't exist.
1: And I kind of think if someone has a single parent, that single parent is working, they're actually being raised by the Internet.
0: Uh, if you have the Internet, yes, <laughs> okay. and, and you're, you're right. You're right. And, and we actually we we see this all the time. And it's this interesting disparity that, believe it or not, low income individuals often spend more time on the Internet than high income individuals. And the reason is the high income can put you in that after school program. They can get you that private tutor. They can get you all these other opportunities that low income don't have. So low income, stay home, watch TV, get on the internet while grandma or grandpa tries to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. Uh, Brad, I, you know, I have a kind of an odd question, but I know the ages are six to 12, if I bought one for Joe, would he learn how to type better? <laughs> <laughs> if he's never typed before, yes. <laughs> I think he has. He, he's, he's typed before, just not with his other eight fingers. I do, <laughs> and occasionally this one gets in the act. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we get this question quite a bit. And
0: believe it or not, we've actually had a lot of moms buy our product for themselves. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, yeah. You, you, if someone, if there's an adult out there who wants it, um, the reason we really promote 6 to 12 is that's the content we preload, right? Um, that's really our target audience who we're trying to help. Um, but uh, we, we partnered up with Google and the Family Link app. We actually helped them you know, develop that product. And, and with it, you put in your age from the very beginning. And if the customer's age is under 13, it has to fall under COPPA, GDPRK, privacy for children laws, right? So the computer gets locked down in those settings if you happen to go set up our computer, like I do, I have one, my wife has one for obvious reasons. Right. Um, you know, we put our real age, we, we put our real account in, and we use them for day-to-day business. So yeah, if you want to, you could, uh, it's totally optional. Um,
1: yeah, it's out there. <laughs> so what the folks that are listening to this, cause I mean, it's just, it's so cool. I, I have two couple final questions. Uh, First of all, what can they learn about your story, about your entrepreneurial journey? Because there's a lot here, but in your words, what can someone take from what you've done as an entrepreneur? Wow,
0: that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think the only thing I really want to share is um, a couple of things. Uh, one is if you want to be an entrepreneur, especially to lead a company. You need to have one of two things. Either one, you got to have massive connections. And I'm talking money, people, which a lot of people do. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs come from money, so it's a little easier for them. Or number two, you got to have hustle like it's going out of style. You just got to go, go, go and never say no. You're going to get kicked to the ground a lot. And if you're not comfortable with that rule, again, you might want to rethink. I'm not saying say no to it. Just you need to take that to heart. You need to take the heart that things are going to be challenged. You're going to fail again and again and again. You just got to be comfortable with that and know you're learning a lesson. And the next time around, you're going to do it better. Um, one thing I can tell entrepreneurs, which I maybe I think I got lucky on this one a little bit. But before I decided to become a, a, a you know, leader of a startup, I spent about four years going to small business workshops so um, if, if you're not familiar with it, there's this great organization called Score.org, uh, just just like, you know, Score.org. Um, they're, I don't think they're everywhere in America, but in most big cities, they exist. And it's basically a subsidiary of SBA, the Small Business Administration, where they will actually have people who have retired, mostly retired, some are still working, who will give free advice to startups and do workshops Um, if you're living in the Bay area, they tend to charge a lot of money for those workshops. I don't know why I I lived in Southern California and they were free. And so thank you, Southern California for caring about those of us who can't pay for everything.
1: (laughs) I think that's wonderful that you spent kudos to you four years educating yourself. You didn't use the lack of an advanced degree of college education as a reason not to understand how to lead an organization and lead a business. So Fantastic. See, they assume everyone in the Bay Area has VC money. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I left the Bay Area a year ago and it's it's the greatest thing I've ever done. My wife and I are actually starting to accrue a savings account again. It's great. You know, in the Bay Area, we just watched our savings account go down to next to nothing. It was, it's ridiculous down there. But if you do have connections to VC, that's the place to be. Where do you live now? Uh, So now I'm up in the Northwest near Portland.
1: Okay, is is the whole company based there?
0: Uh, no, we're actually virtual. We we don't we don't have a we don't have a physical office. So we have three members in the Bay Area, two members up here, and then we have advisors and freelancers all over the world.
1: And can this salesperson you're looking for? Do they need to live by you, or can they be anywhere?
0: Uh, they can be anywhere. They can be anywhere. They just got to be able to get on the phone um, during uh, Eastern and Pacific Standard Times <laughs> and be able to help us out there, and, and be open to doing some international calls too. Uh, we we are looking to expand internationally this year.
1: When I think you your lesson earlier is so important, we've heard this from a few folks, but you, you have to have someone that's an entrepreneur working in the business, not an employee. And if they've got the employee mindset and they're looking for a check and to work that hour and a half each day, I mean, they, you, you can't afford to hire someone like that. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, again, though, it comes down to the person. It's person by
0: person, right? So um, some individuals maybe can thrive like that. Um, Like maybe you're trying to hire a programmer. (laughs) I don't mean to stereotype, but (laughs) say say you're trying to hire a programmer and you realize they just want to put their headphones on and zone out, right? But that's what makes them productive. Um, And if that puts them in their element and that makes them the best of who they can be, then they can still be great in a startup. Uh, If you're looking for a sales or a biz dev person, completely different world, right? If you want to sit in the corner, ah, no, uh, you, you might be able to work for a biz dev at a big corporation that has 20 employees and you have one or two accounts. That's a great fit for you. Um, if you're working for a startup where every account is a big account and you got to go find them, <laughs> then uh, there's, there's, there's a little more involved there and you just you got to be a little more mentally strong, I'd like to say.
1: Well, no, I was just going to say, Brad, I'm, I'm going to put a call out to all of my friends, all of our listeners who are either commissioned salespeople or no commissioned salespeople. I will tell you that I would want to jump in and work for Tenoshi if I was younger, if I wanted to make a buck, move towards six figures, maybe have a small piece of the business at at some point in time through revenue share or founder stock. What a great opportunity. So really, if you're listening, consider uh, getting a hold of Brad Johnston and talking to him about a position. Uh, with this company. I, I, I think it would be a lot more fun than stepping into corporate America with those I, ca- I call it those uh, stuff shirt cultures. I love the startup hustle. <laughs> thank you thank you. And, and for, for what it's worth, I want to throw this out. I, I, I don't disregard
0: you know the, the, the corporate culture, but get into it and find out is it right for you? Yeah you know, are, are you comfortable here? Are you like it? And if you are, m- maybe that's the right path. But if you're like Muayi and you got that itch, there's people looking for you. There's people who want to support you. You just got to go try to connect with them. Maybe you'll love it
1: or maybe you'll think Boeing is boring. <laughs> uh, hey, Brad, where can, where's the best place for people to buy the product? And then how can they follow you on social media? Cool. Well, thank you. Um, so uh, to buy the product, the, the best
0: place, you're always going to get the best deal on our website. Um, also, you sign up to our mailing list. You're going to hear about the deepest discounts. So um, so tanoshi.com, T-A-N-O-S-H-I.com. Um, that's the place to go. Uh, we also have a link at the bottom to careers where we're hiring a software engineer too. So we don't have the sales rep description there, uh, but that's pretty basic, right? Uh, but there is an engineer description. So if anybody's interested, um, uh, so that, or you can go on Amazon and Walmart, we sell there too. We're actually looking to sell in additional channels. We just don't have enough supply right now. We keep selling out of everything we have on all our channels. It, it's, it's ridiculous. So um, we are also raising funds because of that. And we'd love to talk to bankers who want to give us a line of credit because huh? that's actually one of the other struggles we found as a startup, which I kind of knew get into this because I saw my dad go through it, right? When you're a new company, banks don't want to give you big loans. They want to give you loans based on the sales you did the last year or two years ago. And when you're growing, that doesn't really make sense. That's going the opposite direction. So that's where often VC funding comes in. But, but I'll tell you, we've been getting some calls from some interesting folks uh, with creative ways to get inventory financing. And uh, I think life is looking good for us in the future. We're, we're pretty excited. Um, as far as social media, we're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Go to any of those channels. Uh, follow us. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we love our followers. And the other thing we'd love to do is we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to see improved. We listen to it all. Uh, I, I can't say the same for big tech, uh, but, but we listen. We care because we want to make sure we're continuing to develop the products that consumers are going to love.
1: Well, Brad, we, we so appreciate having you on here. Uh, so many great lessons and, and really I'm a, I'm, an instant, I'm an instant fan yeah. of Tenoshi and, and Brad, a big fan of you. You guys have a great product. You have a great cause, and again, we're rooting you on to uh, bigger and better things. But God, it was nice talking to you. Yeah, we are. Here in the we story. are. We are fans. We are in your corner, and uh, we look forward to watching all of your success and, and more importantly, the impact it has on others.
0: Awesome. Well, hey guys, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, what you're doing is amazing as well. Thank you for helping to educate entrepreneurs, putting this out there because. We all need it. I mean, it's it's all about education, right? You know, learn as much as you can. The more you learn up front, the less likely you're going to make mistakes down the road.
1: Love it. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us, Brad. All right. Thank you. You guys have a great day, too. Alright, we're back. Great interview, great takeaways. As always, it's our chalk talk, it's our breakdown of some of the great things we Post game. Away, Our postgame, post-game game sponsored by Tommy Bahama and our new book. Our new book. So <laughs> uh, our new book, Entrepreneurial Landmines, you know, it's really a, a great book for someone that's relatively new to entrepreneurship. It uh, doesn't feel like they have it all figured out. So we break down the biggest mistakes that we see entrepreneurs inside of our growth 10 community make and how to avoid them. Because most of them are what we call unforced errors. Yes. They're things that you don't need to do, but you just didn't know any better. And oh, after I made that mistake two or three times, I realized I shouldn't have done it. So we're trying to help you be proactive, realize the big dumb mistakes that early stage entrepreneurs make. And how to avoid those. So if you don't feel like you have it figured out, go to outsidethetank.com. That's outsidethetank.com. The book's free. We'll give you the uh, electronic uh, copy to read. We'll give you the audio version to listen to. We're eventually going to publish it to this feed as well. So listen to the book, read the book, print it out and, and take notes, but make sure that you you know avoid these things. And you know, we've been at this for a few years now. We have a little bit of business experience ourselves, but it's still good to look at some of those and go, okay, as we scale this particular business, because just because we've been in business doesn't mean we've been in this business. There's things that we look at and go, okay, that's a trap. we got to make sure to avoid it. So OutsideTheTank.com, the book is free to you. If you really want the paperback version, you can buy it for $10 on Amazon, but we'd love to give it away for you for free. So, Brad, key takeaways. I have three. Yes. Uh, this guy's uh, like a uh, lot like me. I, I think I really enjoyed listening and he, uh, he kind of reminded me uh, of me in certain ways. First and foremost, he had a lower income upbringing. Uh, he wasn't economically, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, he wasn't in a favorable economic position, but he never ever used that as an excuse to not try things, to uh, not seek out education in fact, My second point is he was completely self-educated. He spent four or five years going to seminars, reading books, grabbing any kind of free or low-cost education he could find. He didn't use his economic disadvantage as an excuse, and he worked hard to self-educate as I did, because I mentioned in the pregame I barely graduated high school. Not a joke, but I've read, Over 2,000 books on the subject of business, sales, marketing, branding, et cetera, and a lot of great business vibes. My last point was he loves the hustle, and I love the hustle. He loves figuring things out. He loves, he's the kind of guy who, uh, if he doesn't know the answer, he isn't afraid to leap in, figure it out, get his hands dirty. So I just really like this guy, and he reminded me of me in many ways. Yeah, the quote I wrote down was Some people have hustle, some don't. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, we've been saying variations of that for so long, but some people work hard, some people don't. Some people jump out of bed and attack the day, and some people wait to be told what to do. And if you want to be in this entrepreneurial game, you've got to have hustle, you've got to, you know, be self-led, self-guided, you can't wait for things to happen because you'll run out of time and money. So, um, you know, he, he basically said that, you know, you either need massive connections and money, which is true, or you need hustle. You know, and, and, and if you know a lot of people and have a lot of money, it can make up for a lot of shortcomings. If you don't have those things, like you didn't have, like I didn't have, like Brad didn't have, then you just kind of have to bust your ass. You know, I love people that don't use anything as an excuse to to stall or stop or get stuck. And on the reverse of that, I just love people who figure things out and get it done. Yep. Uh, two more quick ones. You know, he saw a void in a big one. So, you know, it's interesting. You think, oh, electronics, that's like a, you know, trillion dollar business and blah, blah, blah. I can never compete. Yeah, how can I compete? It's like, well, he saw an underserved market, which was, you know, I would say really good, really important software inside a very, very, very affordable device. And so huge market, but he found this niche and you just got to find that niche inside our business, inside our industry and, and fill it with something that, you know, our target customers yeah. are really gonna like. Uh, and then the last thing was, you know, just this common theme around recruiting people with his same mindset. Yeah. So everyone on his team, they hustle, they're entrepreneurial, I, I I'd imagine they're probably really, really nice people as well, and he surrounded himself with an army of people that are top notch just like him, and so there's a lot of, you know, organizational mind and culture. You know, I think sometimes people over, overcomplicate culture. And the reality is, is just figure out the key things that you're looking for, recruit people that have those characteristics, treat them the way they want to be treated, and it's amazing what will happen. He's got a very keen eye for role players, and he attracted, he very intentionally went after some people that can help him in the organization with their skill sets, with their expertise. And that's what we have to do. We have to surround ourselves with great role players. Another great episode, another great entrepreneur. We love doing this every Tuesday. New episode drops wherever you listen to podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure to subscribe. If you're listening to this on iTunes, give us that five star rating. It really, really helps us out. Um, and, and tell your friends. You know, share our posts on social media. We're on everything. Uh, spread the word for this. You know, it's it's been really cool to see every week we have some new people discovering the show. And they're going back and listening to the archives. And I've even had some people come up to me that, you know, I didn't think I ever told them about the podcast, but they're like, hey, I discovered it and I listened to an episode. And wow, you guys really asked good questions. I learned a few things that are applicable to my business. So we love hearing that. So spread the word so that your entrepreneurial friends can listen to this, learn some quick, hard-hitting lessons from really, really smart, talented people and then be able to scale their business. Work. And if you want to have uh, a chat with us, have a little bit of access to us, go to growth10, the number 10.com, and uh, we'll chat with you. We'll spend a few minutes on the phone, uh, listen to your product, your idea, your business, whatever phase you're in. And give me some thoughts. We're always happy to jump on the Zoom for a 20, 30-minute uh strategy session, and we'd love to unpack your business a little bit and talk through anything that you want. Um, we're not experts in every business or industry. We don't pretend to be, but I will tell you this. Uh, we will ask you some of the hardest hitting most thought-provoking questions that you've ever been asked, which is going to uncover some really interesting things, and we're just there to listen and repeat back to you some of the cool things that you said that you may have not even thought about or, or knew that you said. So, love to do that with you. So, have a great day. Keep listening. Appreciate your support of the show. We'll see you next week on an all-new episode about size attack.